Today's podcast is brought to you by Deep Crawl. Deep Crawl is the world's most comprehensive web crawler. Um, they have a really powerful technology to help you understand and monitor technical issues, basically to help you improve your SEO performance. Um, Deep Crawl enables search marketers to make websites more accessible, relevant, and effective. You can get a free trial today at deepcrawl.com/offer. That's deepcrawl.com/offer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Search Engine Nerds. I am your host, Brent Satoris, and today I'm joined by Christy Olson, who's head of evangelism with Bing at Microsoft. We're going to be talking about voice search today, where it's at right now, what marketers can do to make sure they show up for voice searches, and also where we think voice search might be going in the future. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, Christy, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, really excited. Uh, you know, we talked a bit, um, actually quite a bit when we were in Germany. Both of us were recently at um, SE Oktoberfest, which is kind of like that private little elitist. I don't want to call it elitist, but it is a group of elite, uh, you know, experts in online marketing. Uh, we both were uh, lucky enough to, to be there amongst a, a lot of great people and uh, talk about uh, voice search a little bit. And that's kind of where I wanted to continue the conversation with you today is uh, talk a little bit about voice search and and where it's going and what you're thinking about it and so forth but first off welcome welcome to the show thank you i'm very very honored to be here with you and excited for the conversation today absolutely so voice search you know it's one of those topics that you've definitely spoken a lot about there's a handful of people out there who've really taken this as like their core kind of you know discussion point but um i'm, I'm interested just to get a starting point of where do you think uh, voice search is today? Like, how good is it today? Like, I mean, obviously we hear things on our phones and stuff, but where are we at today and how good are we today with voice search? Well, and I think you can sort of break it down into two areas when you think about how good is voice search. Um, the way I break it down is in, in those two areas is one is how good is the technology at understanding what we're saying? And then the second part of that is how good are the results that we get back from the technology? So let's break it down that way and start there. So we think about how well does essentially the, the different platforms, how do they understand what we say and how we say it? It has improved leaps and bounds over the last 10 years. And so when I think about, um, I remember trying to use a voice technology about 2023, 20, 2003, 2005. And when I'd speak, it would get every other word wrong. It didn't understand what I was saying. It's this thing called word error rate. Where we're at today is about 95, 96% understanding of what people are saying, meaning that four to between four to maybe 6% of the time, it gets it wrong. Um, and so when you think about that, that is absolutely amazing. It's about the same as a human translator in terms of getting conversation correct. Um, and that's in English. What I would say is for foreign languages, it's still developing. It's still learning. And part of that is that in English, it's been trained in English. A lot of our work has been done in English. When you start into, let's say, Spanish, you have Mexican Spanish, Spain Spanish, Castilian Spanish. You have all the different varieties and varietals and how people say things in the enunciation. It's still learning. So the word error rate is not quite as amazing in foreign languages as it is in English today, but it's been getting better. And as more people use essentially voice search and digital assistance and talk to them, 
it learns, it improves, it understands where it's going right or wrong, and it gets better over time. Well, I would say that as far as an error rate, I don't really mind if I'm trying to Google Translate something or if I'm trying to, you know, record, to, you know, speech to text, some notes and things like that. But there are situations where I'm, you know, proposed some sort of automated system on a telephone where I'm trying <laughs> to get through something. Or there, there are situations where I think people any level of error can be very frustrating to people. Do you feel like there's specific industries that like can get away with this more and are doing better with it? Or, you, you know, what's the acceptable level of error rate in all industries right now? Well, and I think to break that apart, the thing that I think is frustrating is when I'm thinking of voice search, I'm actually thinking of the digital assistants and the technology. So when you ask a question to Cortana, Siri, Alexa, um, Google Assistant, that it gets back to you with a response. The technology on that end is actually quite good and it understands us and it tends to get it correct. The technology, however, on, um, like you're saying, the voice phone systems and the dial-in systems where you call customer service and you have to sit there and yell customer service and it doesn't seem to understand you, they're using a whole different set of natural language processing and AI technology on the back end. And that actually is super frustrating that it's not to the same level as the search engines have gotten their digital assistance. Um, side, a little bit of a side, um, about a month and a half ago, I was on a plane heading to a conference and the gentleman sitting next to me actually was in the VOIP space where he he's responsible for voice activated technology, but for phone and automated systems. And we were sitting there going back and forth. And he's like, yeah, for some reason, it hasn't advanced as quickly and as well as digital assistants have. Um, and I, I don't understand the back end. Like, why haven't they been able to make as big of leaps and strides? And why wouldn't they partner with some of these other technologies like the search engines or the big companies that are developing the technology? Because it is really frustrating. I completely agree with you on that. Um, so I would say for the listeners and people out there, if you are essentially doing a customer service line where you dial in, I would look at how do you improve the technology you're using on the back end because that is going to be very frustrating to customers. And if you have a frustrating experience and they're already upset when they call you, <laughs> you are not going to be able to maintain that loyal customer relationship or it's going to be difficult for you to overcome that hurdle. When you when you have a bad experience and you're already frustrated and you have an even worse experience, it, it sort of puts your customer service person in that death spiral of anger. <laughs> so how does a company know, like, I mean, obviously in general, as we've seen over the last, you know, decade or so, when a new feature comes out, it, it, it's a scramble to use it, right? Everybody's like, okay, this new feature's out, so I have to jump on top of it and I have to start using it right away. Um, do you think that it's better for companies to kind of wait until they have a technology that really suits their audience? I mean, how much can a company afford right now to annoy their audience in exchange for utilizing new technology? Well, and what I would say is like for, for voice search specifically, as it comes, as it pertains to digital marketers, you almost can't afford not to play in the space and to start looking at investing in voice search. And the reason I'd say this is when we look, um, and I'm going to use a couple of different stats. So I, I believe the, the last I heard from Google is they were saying over 50% of their mobile traffic is going and using voice search now. And they're already about 50 plus percent in terms of mobile. So 25%, that would put roughly about 25% of all of their search results coming in through voice search today. So can you avoid that traffic? Can you as a business afford 
to lose out if you are not thinking about that as part of your marketing strategy. Um, within us, within Microsoft, when we look at our, our volumes, um, we're seeing we have Cortana integrated onto well over 400 million devices. Um, there's 145 million active users. Would you want to make it so that people can't find your website and your content when they're engaging in in working with uh, that technology? And the response really is no. And it's the, the question is like, how much do you invest and where do you invest? So the way I typically when I talk to businesses, I break it down as what are the main types of questions that your customers are asking about your products, your services? And can you create a great experience? An experience in this instance could be a a web page that answers those questions and it gives them the information they look. Maybe it's an FAQ, maybe it's not. But can you answer those questions in such a way that the digital assistants pick it up and that becomes the voice of the digital assistant answering back? Um, and so in terms of voice search today, there's sort of two ways that you can appear through voice search. One is you become that essential trusted answer where you are the top of the knowledge graph. You are the spoken word that comes back from Cortana, Siri, Alexa, the Google Assistant. The other one is if it doesn't know the answer, if, it, if it's somewhat of a black and white where it's not a yes or no answer, but there might be multiple solutions, they essentially give you a web result. Do you want to have your web result or your brand there to answer the questions your customers have about your product? And the answer to me is always yes. And it's nothing that I would say it's not a complete different strategy than what you've done in the past. It's going back and thinking about your customer and answering questions and answering it and being customer focused and customer centric. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I mean, I guess still the question I think a lot of people are going to have is like, you know, what do I, you know, I, you had just said you're not going to really change what you're already doing, but it, it, it makes sense that people are going to want to think about what can I do to improve my chances for being included in voice search, especially as we start seeing, you know, more and more of the results not even being websites, right? I mean, there's, you know, we saw a presentation recently together where some of the results are not even utilizing websites, right? It's more cloud data. So, you know, what does a company, even from a base level, how do you approach the voice search question as a company knowing that the majority of companies don't even do SEO today. You know, how, how do you really approach this with success in mind as somebody who's listening to this really novice thinking, what do I do? I mean, I think saying just keep doing what you're doing is not going to be enough for these people, you know? Yeah. And so, okay. So if, if you're taking it from the, I, I would hope that you have a website. Let's start there. If you don't have a website, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I just have to put that out. Um, have a website. And so when you think about voice search, essentially the search engines, what they're trying to do is they're, you ask a, you ask the search engine a question or you put something in and it essentially scours the breadth of knowledge within the internet and tries to give you something back. And the search, that's all a search results is, is you asked essentially a question of some sort and the SERP is giving you to the best of its ability, what it thinks the answer is for your question. Voice search is exactly the same. And so when you think about how do you develop a strategy for voice search, 
I always say, go back to your customer. What is your customer's pain point? What are they asking? What type of questions? And building that in a conversational, natural language into your content. And so if you're going from ground zero, um, actually, I will give an example of a Toyota dealership here in Seattle that they, they end up having an amazing voice search strategy without even attempting it. Um, they, they came and talked to me because they were like, we're getting all these phone calls from across the country and we can't figure out why all these people are calling us asking for specific questions about Toyota Safety Sense. And what they end up doing is they went and talked to their um, to one of their receptionists and to their customer service department and said, what are the most frequent questions that people call in to ask you? And then they started developing a web page because they wanted the receptionist to spend less time on the phone and be able to direct customers to a page on the website to answer those questions. They developed a really good web page that had um, – text content on the page that was more in a conversational manner and tone, so how you and I would speak today. They put in images that walked through the process of what they were answering for the question, and then they created a video. So it was all about a very specific Toyota feature, which I, I'm not the most auto-savvy person, so I didn't fully understand what he was explaining to me on it. But they created a really well-designed and developed page and that essentially became the, the instant answer coming back when somebody asked about that specific safety feature. And what they found out is as customers were talking both in voice search and asking the digital assistants a question, that was the number one response back. And when it said, they asked the assistant, go ahead and make the appointment a call, it was calling a specific Toyota dealership here in Seattle instead of calling the local Toyota dealership for that individual. And so they co contacted us going, we created this really great content, but how do we keep from getting everyone across the country calling us? And they didn't, they didn't set out to create a voice search strategy, but the content they created was rich and well-written and well-designed so that when a digital assistant is trying to answer a question, that was the go-to response on the back end. It seems like when you listen to a lot of people talk about voice search, even mobile, even SEO right now, it really seems to all come back to this kind of silo of answering questions, right? Like being more specific to answering the question and less about presenting content that might be more topically rich, right? And so even Gary uh, Yesh uh, from Google recently said in a podcast I did with him that he envisions, you know, web copy being better the shorter it is, not necessarily the shorter it is as like one line, but um, we were talking about, you know, in a mobile first when they do make that switch, uh, that less content, more focused about what people are actually searching for is going to perform better. Do you see kind of a strategy with all of these things in mind uh, around creating content that really answers individual questions? Are we going to start getting into a lot of pages that have individual focus question and answer versus a section that answers a bunch of questions? So I love how you stated that because you sort of, the way you stated that question is, do you see a strategy with answering questions and individual pages. I don't necessarily think they're mutually exclusive. I think where what, what I'm assuming, and I apologize, I didn't listen to this with you and Gary. What I'm assuming Gary is saying is, as SEO as an industry, we went down the path, I would say probably in the last, well, starting about seven or eight years ago, and it's maintained where we developed rich pages with all of this content on the page. And then we just kept on developing and adding more and more content onto the page because we were trying to rank for all these different words and phrases that were all related to each other from a topical standpoint. 
And so we have these we have these really content rich pages. But the question that we're trying to get at is, is the value in the content? Is it giving the consumer what the consumer is looking for? Yes or no. Or did we create a bunch of pages with a ton of content because it helps us rank better for that page, but it doesn't add value to the consumer. And so it goes back and takes a consumer first mindset with when you're creating your content, you're not creating it for the bots and for the search engines, you're creating the content for your customer and for your potential customer so that you you can actually have them find you when they're looking for something related to your product or service, your line of business. Um, and so like, does it mean we are going to go from having to a bunch of pages? I don't necessarily think it's a page by page strategy. I think it's about giving rich contextual answers and rich contextual content that provides value to your end user, less about creating that content for a bot or for a digital assistant. It's going back to being customer focused. So I want to tag on another interesting question because, I mean, I think that really answers that question well, but I want to make a twist and say (laughs) there are always what we call like low-hanging fruit strategies or maybe some things that maybe people aren't thinking about. You made a comment to one of these earlier. You said, look, if your search is a search that doesn't have a clear answer, then they they will result a search query and you have a chance at being in that search query. Um, that That almost to me starts to sound like a strategy of identifying phrases that would fit into this category and finding out ways to get yourself more visibly seen if you don't have the authority to necessarily have the top answer. Right. Um, You know, maybe that's something you identify where you spend time on is where, you know, you have a chance and where you you might not have a chance at all. Are there other like low hanging opportunities that you've noticed in, in discussions when it comes to voice search? Like, for instance, like maybe there's certain phrases that are hard to interpret with accents or just in general, but there's other key phrases. I think I mentioned this to you and when we were talking in person, I said, you know, one of the areas I think will be interesting is when there's certain words that are too hard to say to a voice search, what's the alternative word that people are going to use next that's simpler but means the same thing? I know, and I still am pondering over that question because I think you and I, as we talked about this, I gave the example that somebody came up to me after an event and they said, hi, I work for Steel. Yeah. And it's S-T-I-H-L, not S-T-E-E-L. How do I optimize my site and my brand and my content for voice search? I'm like, "Uh, that's a great question. I don't know off the top of my head because it's going to be based on how the person, when you have these words that are spelled differently but pronounced the same, there's going to have to be some sort of context on the back end for the search engines and for a digital assistant to understand, oh, you're talking about the brand of the power tools and the, the power equipment, not steel as in the type of metal. And I think um, some of this, when it at least comes to digital assistance, how we're looking at this, if you think of, um, I'm going to use Cortana as example, because I use Cortana all the time. Um, Cortana, I've given her access to essentially everything about me. I partially because the no, I, I know that the more access to my data and information I give her, the better she understands me and can make recommendations and can filter and filter my search results based on my preferences. So I think in some cases, if it's a brand like Steel, the power tool company, um, where I have engaged and interacted with that website and with the brand in the past, and I've been asking questions, maybe as it per- pertains to a, um, a snowblower, it's going to know when I ask about Steel that I'm looking for the brand, not the metal. 
because of how I've engaged and interacted. And it goes back to, and Google's talked about this as well as us here at Bing, it'll look at the queries you've done in the past, the query you're doing now, and it tries to figure out, okay, are you revising that previous query you just did? Are you building on top of the past query and asking additional questions? So if I talk about snowblowers and then I go to steel, it's going to go, oh, steel snowblowers. It's a brand of versus thinking I'm looking about metal at that point in time. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely it's definitely going to get really interesting because I think that you start getting into basically language analysis. You know, right now people are like, "What's the hashtag? What's the you know the LSI latent somatic indexing version of this phrase?" But I think at some point it's going to be like, "How are people verbalizing this today?" Like, you know, I can imagine whole presentations where people are like, "You think your audience is searching for I want a snowblower, but they're really saying that." You know, it's like it just can imagine. Imagine this whole like language, you know, research element to really come out of in play. And it goes back to like I, I studied German in college. It goes back to geeking about language and grammar and structures. And that's part of with digital assistance and artificial intelligence is it does go back to latent semantic in, indexing. It does go back into word order and structure that they'll be able to understand. Are you a native speaker or are you not based on how you have your grammar um, and how you structure a sentence? Um, to go back to your previous question of like, what are those low hanging fruit? Because mm-hmm. I do want to make sure we touch on that. Um and I, I'm going to take this from the context for people who don't know me. I have an 18 month year old or I have an 18 month son. And so because of that, I've been using voice search a lot more trying to answer questions while I have my phone in one hand and him in the other hand trying to figure stuff out. And where I'd say that I've noticed as I've used voice search more and more and more is it goes back to when I use voice search, I ask it a question. I don't use voice search like I've used text search. I don't go and just say weather. I ask, will I need an umbrella? I don't go and say like, baby rash on behind. I go like, hey, hey, Cortana, is is it normal to have a rash that looks like this in this location? And when I start to look at the type of questions I'm asking, where I've personally seen the gap is that a lot of those questions don't have search results for it as it pertains to brands or products or services. And a lot of times, like especially on the baby side, I'm pretty sure the company, either uh, Bordeaux's butt paste company or Desitin could have owned me from a search results standpoint of answering every single question I've had in the last six to eight months. Um, but what I'm finding is I'm not seeing anything related to either of those brands. I'm getting forum sites because I'm finding other moms who are asking the same question. Same they're asking the same question and there's still no answer for that question. So that's where I think going back to thinking about your consumer, thinking about your customer, what are the questions they're asking as it pertains to your products, to your brands, your services, because that's where there is some really low hanging fruit today is people are asking questions over and over again. And when they're using voice search, they're just now doing it in a much more natural language tone and conversation. So I'm asking a question like Brett, how do I how do I know if this is normal for my child? Instead of just saying like typing into a search box when I type in, it might be baby, toddler. Like the, the word order doesn't make as much sense, but it is much more conversational tone in nature. So the other thing that is a low hanging fruit for brands and for people is right now when we write content, we don't really write it in how you speak. Um, and I, I had a lot of fun with this conversation um, with Google. Uh, back in February at the local Moz or Moz local going like, okay, 
how do, what does this mean in terms of content writing? Does this mean we write content more in a natural language? And I'm not saying, and I went back and forth with this one. I'm not saying essentially create a page on your site that is a question and answer, a question and answer, a question and answer. That, that's not the answer I'm giving. It's answer the questions your customers are, ask, ans, are asking and answer it in a more natural language instead of writing this superfluous, long content that is convoluted and doesn't really mean anything. Well, so. an, another way you could do it is sometimes you can answer as if you're, you know, repeating the question. Like a lot of people ask this question and when you're approaching it from this way, this is how you would do it, right? So sometimes you don't even have to do the Q&A. You can actually find ways to incorporate that question into you know, uh, a creative way with the content, right? Exactly. And and some of this from the conversational tone, it goes back to you're writing for your customers. So make it sound like you're writing to them and not just a corporate drone writing content based on brand guidelines and standards. And it's interesting, <laughs> it's interesting that you do see quite a bit of the common language come from forums. So maybe a good angle to, is to really say you should be checking forums for the industries that you're in, looking for questions that are going unanswered, looking for patterns in how people are asking those questions because forum people will put a common language question uh, into the actual subject line of that page. Exactly. And the other one to answer back, and I, I know I've talked even with our own internal team at Bing going like, okay, so how, I, I love the question you asked about semantic language. How, like, you do you need every version and every possible way to answer the question? The result, I, the answer I got back is no, no, you don't. We understand enough about language and language structure, how it goes together. You don't have to have a separate page for can I versus will I, should I, may I. It understands you're asking a question. Yeah. And so as you think then about the content you're using, it goes back to like the language. It doesn't have to be, oh, a person asked this question with this exact language structure. You must only answer that one. No, answer it like you'd be you'd answer it in a conversational, make it much uh, more like the tone of a conversational tone than, um, and I keep on going back to this conversational tone because I've seen a lot of content that the way the content on many web pages has been written it sounds like it wasn't written for a human. <laughs> yeah. That's the nicest way I can put it. It's we sort of adopted this, I would say, a tone for search engine crawlers and bots, but it's not written for you or for me. It's written for the bots. It goes back to writing for people and developing content for the people. So that, the last question I have, and I think this is a great point to kind of lead out on. Uh, it's been great chatting with you about this. I think we could go on for hours. Yeah. But, uh, you know, right now, voice search is stringing together search parameters. You're trying to find a connection between the previous, the current, and what the next might be. But when do you or have you seen examples of companies that are making an effort to really transition that into true conversation uh, and, instead of just, you know, search parameters? When do you think uh, we'll see true voice search? Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think right now where you asked at the very beginning of the conversation, where are we at with voice search? Um, I always like using the crawl walk run analogy and I would say most companies are probably in the crawl phase where they've heard about it they understand that it's coming and they know they need to do something about it but they're not sure what to do or how to do it yet 
Um, and so in terms of like, when will we get there? It's, it's twofold on when we get there. Number one, companies have to create the content so that it answers questions and provides value back to the consumers. Number two, we're already well on the way of getting there in terms of adoption of the technology. And this to answer one of your other previous questions, like, are you saying just do voice search because it's there? Um, I actually get yelled at a little bit internally because when I'm talking to brands and companies right now about, you know, what from an AI perspective, which type, which areas of AI should we focus on? I mentioned voice search is one of the areas that you should, it's, it's low hanging fruit because you can do it today without investing in any additional technology. You already have a website. It's updating the content on your site to be more conversational time in nature. The next area I always talk about is chatbots because chatbots aren't just, it goes back to chatbots originally were answering questions, providing answers, so it's FAQ type of uh, area, but you can also create a chatbot to help consumers take action. So I'm asking questions about your products and service, great, now let me buy it. Take it from answering a question to taking an action. And that third area is like when we think about tools and technology adoption, I can use voice search on my Windows 10 PC, I can use it on my Apple smartphone. I can also use it on like an Alexa on a smart speaker device and you have those voice skills skills is the area I'm telling people you know think about it but don't jump in quite yet you want to really think about that skill strategy when you think about it PCs I think there's what over 450 million PCs in the US there's over 15 million or 150 million smartphones in the US and then on voice skills, which really are being used on the smart home speakers, there's between, I think in January, the number was there's about 9 million Alexa devices had been sold to date. So when you think about the adoption, the adoption is still growing in that area. And it's an area that people like the smart home speakers, consumers are saying they want to purchase and they're going to use them more. But comparative to PCs and smartphones, which have voice search technology and access to the power of the internet and hit websites, the adoption's already there. Yeah, I definitely think that the, we're in another period of time where you have an opportunity to experiment, get your feet wet without really diving into the full capacity of this technology. Because I do think we're going to spend a couple years in this still kind of transition to mobile first and voice search and the technology is going to improve. And at a certain point, it's going to be all about like how it becomes real conversation and the real AI behind that. Uh, so I think it, I agree that like getting in and getting involved and starting to play with the content, uh, thinking about it, you know, really thinking about that flow, that path of how people are searching and how you can be that answer. Um, I think that's going to be a really uh, good approach as well. So I, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Cause I, I think we're still probably five years off from being screenless everything. Like, I, I guess I'm just having a hard time imagining not having something with a screen near me. I can't imagine working in like holographic and more of the like hologram type of world. So I imagine the screen is still going to be very important um, in the next foreseeable future. And so with that being said, it means that you still want to create the content and create experiences developed for a screen. Um, and voice search, to go 100% voice search, it's going to start to happen as people get more... Um, more confident and more familiar with asking the digital assistant a question and getting a response that comes back. And then as they get more familiar with using that digital assistant, it makes recommendations and it gives the, it, it gives them more value. 
then that's sort of going to be that tipping point because then we're going to be used to engaging with our voice alone and we don't necessarily need that screen. Christy, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, always is. Can you tell me and anybody who's listening, where can people find you online? Where can they read some of your work, et cetera, et cetera? <laughs> How do people follow you and stalk you? Yeah, well, stalk me, please don't. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Christy J. Olson. I'm going to spell it out because my first name and last name are always misspelled. So it's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-J-O-L-S-O-N. And you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook I use for myself personally, so sorry, you're not going to probably be able to find me there. Um, and then I write for a ton of different publications, so um, Search Engine Land, yes, hopefully Search Engine Journal soon, um, but just do a search for me. Perfect, perfect. Thanks again for joining me and uh, looking forward to continuing the conversation on voice search. I think there was a lot of information here. Again, thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, thank you. The pleasure's all mine, Bert. Cheers. <laughs>